This is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast. The Modern Architect features one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. Our show informs and illuminates the transformation that architecture brings to our cities, communities, and lives. And now, introducing the host of The Modern Architect, Tom Dioro. Today, we're joined by Paul McLean, architect and principal at McLean Design. Paul was trained as an architect in Ireland and founded McLean Design in 2000. Over the last 15 years, McLean Design has grown into one of the leading contemporary residential design firms in the Los Angeles area committed to excellence in modern design. You can find them on the web at mcleandesign.com. Again, that's mcleandesign.com. Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com. Hello, Paul. We're really honored and excited to have you on The Modern Architect today. Thank you for being here. Gosh, thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. It's my pleasure and my honor to be here. Seriously. Excellent. Thank you very much for that nice uh, nice uh, intro as well, Paul. Paul, you know, we talked about... Uh, I'm going to ask you the, the quote that you had before the show that we talked about. I, I like that, that you have, not just for yourself, but your office. Share with us what uh, you know, a quote that you have that means and matters much to you and, and your firm. Well, there's a quote that Leonardo da Vinci did probably 500 years ago, which was, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And what that means to us is that always trying to look at things in a way to find a way to get to the essence of what we're trying to achieve, like not to overcomplicate things. And uh, I think that's like a good mantra for a lot of things in life, not just architecture. I like that. The essence of what you're trying to achieve. Explain a bit to your audience, you know, what the essence means to you and why it really does matter. Well, our, our houses, um, for me at least, uh, we're, we're trying to connect people to their environment. We're trying to connect them to nature. And the more we can get out of the way of that experience, uh, the better that their enjoyment of the house will be. And I think often... We, we live here in a beautiful environment uh, most of the time, not the last couple of weeks, but <laughs> most <laughs> of the time. Sure. Um, and, you know, we're surrounded, we're very lucky in Southern California to be surrounded by a lot of nature. And we have a very kind of varied topography and, and people have the opportunity uh, to to be exposed to that. But also, even if you if you live in a more conventional, uh, you know, suburban setting, you know, we've got great sunshine, great, great vegetation. And uh, I think most of the reason we all live here is because of the weather. So we try and design our houses in a way with two two kind of things. One is to connect to nature, and the other is not to forget that we're not setting out to do like an architectural statement. We're, we're setting out to do a house that will function really well for the occupants, the family that lives there. And in some ways, it should be, you know, a back. It is the background to their life. It is it is not their life. If the house is becoming their life it's kind of an overstate it's welcome i guess you know mm. it's it's not supposed to be part of the family it's supposed to be where the family lives and it should be improving their life and making them feel more comfortable and and giving them a sense of peace and serenity when they need it and allowing them to live you know wonderful lives i guess 
I like that. The allow peace and serenity. If you can describe your clientele without naming names, unless you'd like to, uh, what would you say is a really common thing amongst your clientele? Well, I think one of, one of the great things about what we do for us, especially, is that you know people don't design houses when they're in a difficult part of their life. Generally, it's usually they obviously have been successful because undertaking a custom home is an expensive thing. Um, but they're usually uh, in a point where they feel that they're looking forward to the future. I mean, you know, you have to be an optimist, right, to be an architect, because you're kind of thinking about what the future is going to be like, and you're, you're hoping your buildings will be there for it. Um, so they, they tend to be uh, self-starters, and um, we don't really have, and nearly all our clients have an interesting story and uh, about how they got to where they are in life. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, everything from, um, you know, at one end of the spectrum, you know, movie stars and at the other end of the spectrum, like business people. Um, but we've had clients over the years that, you know, make their living in ways you never really imagine. You, you have such, we all have such preconceived notions of, of how people become wealthy enough to build a home. But like a, one example I remember from a few years back was a client who, you know, had started collecting baseball cards in in the playground when he was five. I can still see him, what Whoa. he'd be like when he was five in the playground. <laughs> and uh, he, he grew that into a business, you know, where he, he traded sports memorabilia, memorabilia very successfully. Wow. Is there, there's a, obviously must be a real, a love of nature for you to, uh, to do the homes that you've done because they're spectacular. I've seen them obviously on your website. They're spectacular, but there's also an air of warmth with it. It's not really, it's not very stale. It's not very, it's not stale at all. It's, it's very warm and it has a timelessness to it. Is that by design? That, that's, I mean, that's really, thank you very much. That's the best compliment we could get. Uh, that's okay. our goal. I mean, we want to build houses that will stand the test of time. Um, I think that it's been, it's been gratifying to see over the last few years, like as you, as you said, our business is 22 years old. So some of those houses are older now and cycling through getting remodeled and so on. And, and it's, it's great to see that, at least in my opinion, like the spaces are holding up really well. So we're seeing people change materiality, but the spaces are, are staying. And, and I think that's what it's about, the light and the space that these homes create. Um, but I also think that, you know, we don't, like we said, we want the houses to be practical too. Um, and maybe people don't, you know, think of that word when, when they look at our homes. But we do put a lot of time into thinking about how people are going to use the homes. And we want them to be warm and inviting and, and not to be the type of place where if somebody kicks off their shoes, you know, the whole decor seems ruined, right? It's, it's got to be <laughs> robust in its ability to handle, you know, life and kids and dogs and who knows, some pet pigs we've had in the sure. past, you know. Oh, so wow. uh, we, we want to design those type of houses. And uh, so we spend a lot of time also with our clients just trying to figure out how they want to live. And I always find that really fascinating because I, I think if you just leave people alone and you just say, hey, what do you want in your house? They're going to describe what they have in their house right now and maybe a couple of things they don't like and a couple of things they wish they had. But what we try and do is 
try and get deeper down into that and figure out like what would be the best way for them to live. Um, for example, if someone is really big into entertaining, you know, we, we kind of have to figure out, is it formal entertaining? Is it casual entertaining? Like, do they want a table with 20 people to sit down? I mean, that's a big, to put 20 people in a formal dining room, it's a big space, you know? So mm -hmm. like trying to think about that, do they imagine they're going to live there for the rest of their lives, do we want to think about, as one of our clients calls it, thriving in place? You know, that, you know, making the house work so that even if down the road you're a little bit more incapacitated or don't have the, the abilities you currently have, that the house is still going to function for you and you're going to be able to enjoy it. How much is, uh, would you say, your clientele has a real design sensibility? before they even reach out to you or they reach out to you? That's a great question. Um, I, it's all over the map. I mean, um, obviously, what we're very fortunate in is that at this stage, people come to us because they like what we do. So we're not having to have those type of discussions like, do you want you know, a Mediterranean house? Do you want a French shooter house? They're coming because they like what we've done before. And usually there's something they've seen and they gravitated to that. And then, you know, they use, sometimes they'll come in and say, I just want exactly that again. And then we'll explain to them, obviously, that their site is different. And as, as even if we start with the idea, it's going to be very similar to the house. It never ends up like that. It changes. But um, we, it runs the gamut from um, people who have very little interest in design to people who are intensely involved in every decision. And um, I would say, you know, the medium to intensely involved is the better clients in a way, you know, because I, I think they're all great clients, but at the same time, you know, that active engagement helps to make the house more their own, you know? And uh, like I have a client I finished a house for in West Hollywood and he's, he's kind enough to let us show the house to people. And every time we bring someone up there, he likes to do the tour and he will <laughs> take everyone around the house and he'll make the same joke at the end every time, which is like, what did you do in this process, Paul? Because I feel like I designed all of this, and I'm like, I just drafted it for you. Don't worry. <laughs> you know? so, but that's where it, that feels like a true collaboration and something. There's ownership there, and not just the actual ownership, but like pride of design ownership coming from the client as well. And then you know you've had a successful project, and also by doing that, you know that makes the projects different. I mean, we really want every project to be different from the last. And the more involved the client is, the the more we kind of respond to that and change to accommodate their wishes. Okay. Now this question might be a little favorable left turn here, but <laughs> my 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 my, uh, my firm uh, belief is that uh, architects and even the builders ought to have their a placard or an acknowledgement somewhere in the house that they were that they had uh, designed the home or even built the home not too dissimilar to a book having an author's name what's your thought on that and i don't know if you do or not we we don't right now and um i i it's funny it's it's a really great point i mean i I, I've thought about it, and then sometimes I think, is it a little arrogant, you know, to put a stamp on the building? You know, it says McLean Design 2022. But yeah. um, I guess, yeah, it's a nice idea. Uh, maybe if the houses, if the houses last long enough, you know, maybe people will have forgotten who who did them, um, and then maybe that will be nice. I don't think I'll be around to know about it myself, but I do, I do, uh, I do hope that our, you know, I think our business. Um, 
you know, has obviously been reasonably successful and, and I hope it will keep going without me at some point and that the other people who are here in the office who are immensely talented and do most of the work will get to kind of take that somewhere else at some point. So kind of going the same direction, I guess, you know, <laughs> to your question, slightly yeah. different, but yeah, where does that lead? It's a great idea, I think. But, but I think also, in a way, architects, I, I, we, we've got the, the cool end of the job, you know, in the sense that everyone seems to remember who the architect was for a project. But uh, I feel like that's a very valid point that no one really gives enough credit to the rest of the team. Uh, like, I, without the, the amazing contractors and all the creative consultants and all the subcontractors with all their brilliant ideas, like, and the fact that they put up with us all is amazing. <laughs> in the first place um none of these houses would you know be here and it's a shame that you know they don't really get much of the credit for it wow well great that, that you answered that very well this is the modern architect kcsu stanford 90.1 fm we're talking today with paul mclean architect and principal at mclean design in los angeles california for more information feel free to visit their website at mcleandesign.com again that's mclean design.com paul if um if you're at liberty to share what uh, recent project or projects have you worked on or uh currently you don't have to name names but uh yeah no we have some some great uh projects right now we're, I mean, we're very fortunate in, in what we get to do and the type of projects that we have that they have decent budgets and you know, everyone has a budget. I should say that, by the way. It doesn't matter if they're the world's richest person or not. They still have a budget, you know, and it's about, I think part of that is about having the feeling or the sense that you're getting value for money, you know, that it's not just people taking advantage of you. But uh, we we are really lucky right now in that we are we're not just working in California and um Mind we we do love working in California. That's where we're from. But uh, we we've seen over the last twenty years, like we started out in coastal Orange County and kind of grew up into the LA area and then out into further into the state. And now we've got projects um, not only in California but in like several states like uh, Nevada, Colorado, uh, Florida, Texas. Um, we've also got projects in um, the Turks and Caicos in Ho Hawaii. Um, Thailand, which is really interesting and fascinating. So, um, and we're we're discussing new projects in India and China. So it's it's amazing how the world has changed in the last ten years for like what's a, a small architecture firm that you can kind of have a little bit of a global presence, uh, which is not something that I could have even imagined twenty years ago. I don't know if any of us could have imagined that twenty years ago. Um, but what's most enjoyable about that um, is that the idea of obviously these people come and they want to do homes like they've seen of ours in California and then how do we take those ideas that that we've developed here which uh, come out of a long history of modern architecture modern residential architecture in California there is just no better place on the planet for modern residential architecture there's there's been so much experimentation in the last hundred years and and then how do we take those ideas and and make them work in different climates and in different locations and in different cultures you know and how that's the fascinating part you know just you get into a different culture and there are all these little subtle things that you have to think about mm -hmm. that are a little bit different than um, what we do uh, for example I forgot to mention we've, we've got some projects in Dubai as well and so sometimes we're dealing there with um, the fact that 
people entertain in completely different ways. Men and women just don't seem to entertain together. So you're setting up a house in a way where everyone could feel comfortable. And also, for example, there might be a need for a prayer room, you know, just things that you don't think about when you're designing a house in California. So I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah, it's really, that's pretty fascinating. What's changed in the last couple of years to let's say two or three years for you? Um, and how, how have things evolved architecturally in your experience? Gosh, well, it, it kind of leading back to the last question in the last, you know, few years, that development of, projects in different places around the world that that's been the biggest change for us um dealing with obviously the pandemic (laughs) the implications of that uh i think it's interesting that you know one of the positive things coming out of the pandemic has been that you know the idea that work is maybe a little bit more fluid than sitting just in the office altogether mm-hmm. and that we are able to do things with zoom calls and and online meetings that you know people are fully accepting of that now versus maybe 5 years ago it was seen as a strange thing and now we find ourselves on zoom calls with people down the street you know versus sure. not necessarily <laughs> people in uh, yes. in thailand right and uh, but on the other hand i uh, i really brought home to me um during the pandemic that the the camaraderie and the the design collaboration that goes on in in an architectural office was lost somewhat in that process and there is that also that kind of positive atmosphere you know where a lot of times when you're in the office you know someone's having an idea and you sit together and you kind of work through that idea and it's a very positive experience for everybody and you know kind of people finish each other's sentences and finish each other's drawings and with with the the negative of all that with the pandemic and zoom was that that process just seemed to be much more difficult to achieve and you know it's just not the same as being in the same room so even though you know we can do so much remotely now we we often find we still have to go places and when we go places we make a lot more progress you know so that's interesting i like that you said we make more progress what's your thought on uh oftentimes i am a uh, email is obviously a standard form of communication but i i believe oftentimes even a phone conversation can expedite and make something more effective. Which is that so it? true? I mean, how many times have you seen an email chain with 15 participants on it that goes on for five days trying to figure out a time for a meeting when if someone had just picked up the phone, you know, we could have had the Very meeting true. there and then. But yeah, yes. there, and at various levels, that that is an issue. And uh, I noticed that. I think the big thing is that it's and, and for architecture is a collaborative endeavor. There is no. I mean, much as people might think it, you know, there's not this one person sitting here making all these decisions. Um, I think that, you know, from our perspective as, as the architects, we, we try very hard to help guide this process on its design journey, keeping the vision of what we're trying to achieve. But the ideas and the way to make that happen come from like hundreds of people. And um, so it is it's the ultimate form of collaboration to design a building. And for anyone to say that, oh, you know, Frank Gehry designed that building, you know, not picking on Frank, you know, but you know, sure. you know what I mean? It's like the, Frank Gehry w- was very much like the, this, maybe the signature behind that building, but like a thousand people got involved and made that vision come to life. And, and I'm sure Frank could be the very first person to tell you that, you know? So um, I think that's where we forget that the collaboration and the human interaction is what brings out the best in us. 
Along the lines of that uh, acknowledgement and recognition, uh, another, I'm biased, of course, but uh, another factor in your favor, in architect's favor, is is that uh, even with uh, public relations or, or you look at media, newsprint, you'll see, oh, a uh, new hotel built, it's going, it's fi- finished, or it's going to be built, and, and there won't be a mention of the architect in there. And I see that very, very often. Actually, that was one of the inspirations to, to, to begin the show at, uh, at Stanford, the modern architect, was that just did not get the recognition. And, and I knew that these buildings just did not pop up out of the ground, but there was an, an acknowledgement of the architect or if there was, it was nominal at best. What's your thought on that? If you're at Liberty to, to cite your opinion, which is, would love to hear it. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think I read once Norman Foster said that one of the great things about being an architect, or maybe it was Frank Gehry, said that, you know, you can kind of be a celebrity without having to be a celebrity. <laughs> you know? oh, so, okay. that, I mean, I, I think that within the architectural community, there's definitely a lot of acknowledgement of who built buildings and uh, sure. and so on. But, and I think, you know, you can go, if you go to an architectural university or, or to a college, you'll, you know, have a lot of students there who'll be very excited maybe to meet you if they're familiar with your work. But um, I, I think that, that's okay. I mean, the buildings are what we're trying to achieve in the end, I, I think. I mean, it's a very interesting time right now in society. I mean, with the advent of social media. I'm, I mean, I'm hoping by the time, you know, my grandchildren, if I'm lucky to have any, are grown up, that they might have figured out how to use social media. I don't think we yeah. all, I think we're all like being, it's just not working very well in general, but I think there's such an emphasis on celebrity and instant gratification and all those things that maybe it's not bad that some things in life are, you know, kind of just about doing, about the work itself and not about the people behind the work. Very true. I'll go back to what you had said at the beginning, Paul, is the, uh, the essence. That essence, there's a, uh, a lot of heart, and uh, I'll use uh, the word grit, that's involved in great design and a lot of thought that went behind it. What's your take and what's your thought on that level of grit and heart that a lot of people don't see and then how it, it's expressed in the building and the home itself? I, I think that's a, an excellent question, Tom, because there is the idea out there that there's a let's call it just this building signature you know that like people look and go oh wow you know it's it's a pyramid it's a circle you know whatever it is um and uh you know there's some architects especially today who seem to thrive on that you know on the in the media and the internet world and i but i feel like the the initial concept is just exactly that an initial concept and if a building is to be successful, it needs depth. And the depth comes from that constant refining and eliminating extraneous things and working out details to make them come together right and solving problems. And, you know, we'll often, if our typical house takes about three years to build, I mean, the design part of what everyone thinks of design is probably the first three months of the first year before the three years starts. But the house isn't really done for four years and the other three and a quarter three quarters years are all about trying to figure that out and make it happen and work with everyone around you to make it as best as it can be wow well answered 
You're listening to the Modern Architect podcast. We're talking today with Paul McLean, principal at McLean Design. For more information, feel free to visit their website at mcleandesign.com. Again, that's mcleandesign.com. Paul, with the uh, architecture and construction business constantly evolving, the expectations evolve kind of as well. What's, I know I've answered this a little bit earlier, but what's changed in your experience over the last, say, two or three years regarding that? Well, in different ways. In design, I think uh, definitely people are much more critical in a positive way, in, in maybe critical is the wrong word. I find clients are diving much deeper into the design with us, which I think is enormously beneficial for everybody. And I think that's because of the pandemic and people being having to reevaluate where they are and how they live. Um, so that's that's been a, a huge difference we've noticed uh, in, in, from a psychological perspective, from a, from a kind of wants and desires perspective, definitely an emphasis on outdoor space, an emphasis on wellness, emphasis on, you know, exercise, home gyms, home spas, uh, office space. And it's interesting because before the pandemic, people might say, oh yeah, you know, I, I want an office space at my house because I might work from home once in a while, which really probably meant they wanted to do their bills on a Monday morning or something. You know? <laughs> and now it's like, well, where am I going to put this office? You know, how is it going to interact with the rest of the house? And if people come to the house, how are they going to arrive? What are they going to see? So we're getting that much deeper level of involvement in the discussion because now it's become something they're much more aware of. So I think that that is uh, all a positive development. Um, I think also, though, we're finding uh, that it's getting just increasingly difficult and more complicated to get things done. And I think people all over the world are probably complaining about that right sure. now, not just me. It seems like everything is much more difficult to get to the end than it used to be. Um, and I think there's some of it is just lack of staff, shortages of staff in different areas, maybe in the planning department, you know, so now plans are taking, you know, six to nine months to get corrections back versus three, or just the endless um, Zoom calls, which, you know, everyone now seems to think they need three calls a day. And, oh, and mostly we're talking, yes. we're not drawing, you know. So we're, we're struggling, as I'm sure most offices are, to try and get that back into balance. So we're getting enough time actually producing as, as opposed to talking. That's terrific. A great description. Paul, is there anything that you'd like to share that we have not touched on in your show this morning? Oh gosh. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Thank it's a privilege. You. And um, it's a privilege to be able to do this for a living. And I never forget that. And I never would have thought, you know, I grew up in Ireland and um, pretty modest background. And it, it just never imagined that these opportunities would come. And um, it's just, just wonderful to be able to do it. And also just to be able to meet all these people and i sometimes think you know from an architect's perspective some architects are i think if you're going to do homes you have to be a certain type of personality um you have to be interested in people you know because it's about people and uh i remember we we had someone 
young man come into the office a while ago for an interview and it didn't work out for him. But really it didn't work out because he said, well, I don't like the idea of clients like having opinions on my design ideas. And uh, if they don't like it, they, they should, you know, I, I want to, I don't want to change it. And I was like, wow, well then you're not in the right end of the business, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. because the main thing you need to do is listen. Listening is the most important thing. And, uh, but we're, we're lucky that we meet such fascinating people and their enthusiasm uh, for what we're doing and is just uh, constantly fantastic. And we, we have the pleasure now of seeing, you know, multiple homes for the same clients. And, you know, we have a project in, in coastal California where we're designing a house, which will be for the kids who grew up in one of our earlier houses. And that's just like, you know, amazing that we can do that you know that with such a influence that they actually didn't want to go live in a like a you know a mediterranean house (laughs) they wanted one just like mom and dad's i love it i love it (laughs) paul it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on as our guest today thank you very much thank you tom thank you so much it's been great thank you very much and if you uh if you be so kind to consider coming on uh again i'd love to invite you I would yeah. love to. Thank you again. Oh, thank it's you very much. Thank you, Paul. You've been listening to the Modern Architect Podcast. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Paul McLean, architect and principal at McLean Design. Paul was trained as an architect in Ireland and founded McLean Design in the year 2000. Over the last 15 years, McLean Design has grown into one of the leading contemporary residential design firms in the Los Angeles area and, and uh, around the world now, committed to excellence in modern design for more information feel free to visit their website at mclean again that's mclean join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect engineer influencer or civic leader committed to positive sustainable and beautiful cities communities and lives thank you Today's episode is made possible by Swatchbox, the leading sample platform for architects and designers. Swatchbox brings thousands of product samples from the world's leading manufacturers into one platform. Browse materials for inspiration, create custom collections, then request your samples for free with automatic next day or second day shipping. Get started at Swatchbox.com.